Now, Paul the Apostle, as we I have been speaking about the warning we have in Ephesians, in his letter to the Ephesian church, said, Finally, be strong in the Lord. This is Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take his stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, I have said before in this series that we are, that I'm teaching at the moment, which is called the Believer's Battle, because um, we are called to battle. And as I established, uh, if you're a Christian and you do not believe or you do not see yourself in a battle in this world, then your Christianity really ought to be questioned. You ought to question your Christianity. Are you really where Christ wants you? Have you actually come to know the Christ? Because if you do come to know the Lord and his requirements for our lives, you would understand that this life is a battle. And it is not a battle that you, you know, it is won by Christ, but as disciples of Christ will remain on the battlefront and that is what the world is and that's going to carry on we're going to do this until our Lord returns or until the day he calls you or I back into his presence in death when we leave this world when we are separated from this world so until such a time we are called to battle now Paul um, he they, they were the four four forerunners of this battle shall we say they started it because you know they started the 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 church the christian church and they fought the battle to the point of death and the requirement has not changed nor has it been watered down for you or i today we are still called to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints we are still called to battle and we have to fight this battle all the way to our dying day or to the return of christ and we fight at the sacrifice of our lives, if necessary. If necessary. You know, people are dying for their faith. People have died for their faith. People will die for the faith. So, you see, we don't know to what extent you, um, each of us as individuals will have to fight. But it is a battle. It is a standing battle. We have to carry on. And if it means us losing our lives in this world, in the process, then so be it. So many Christians, besides the apostles who were all martyred, you know, the 13 apostles all except John. And John, like I said earlier, there was an attempt to martyr him, but God delivered him because his work was not done. But nevertheless, he did not exactly die in the most dignified way. He was he was banished to an island and he was there all by himself to a ripe old age. So... And uh, so he didn't, they, they all gave their lives for the faith. And so many thousands and thousands and tens and thousands, probably running, well, I'm sure it's millions now, of Christians through the ages have been martyred for their faith in Christ Jesus. Yes. Children, women, men, uh, young men. I've all been martyred over the years, over the centuries. In the 2,000 plus years that Christianity has been, people have been, have been dying for the faith. And it is to the extent that these people are brought and threatened with certain death if they did not deny the name of Christ. And they will refuse to. They refused to deny the name of Christ. And as such, they will be killed in the most horrific and horrendous ways that anyone can imagine. 
But today what do we have? We've got a modern day Christianity which does not save. There is no saving faith in modern day Christianity as it's being practiced today. That Christianity of discontent, that Christianity of greed, that Christianity of selfishness. You know, selfless Christianity has not been neglected for selfish faith. I mean, what do we call faith nowadays? Oh, well, the ability, your ability to ask God for something and believe you're going to get it. What are you talking about? Where, how is that faith? Because if we read scripture, in chapter 11, which is called the um, Hall of Fame of Faith, you will find that all the patriarchs and all the people there, the mentioned as examples of faith in God, mentioned that none of them actually realized the promised gift, the promised uh, the, uh, the covenant of God in their lifetimes. They didn't. They did not realize, they did not receive the promises here in the world. But they still lived in that faith until their dying day. And I can assure you their faith was not based on greed and things for themselves. Because if that had been the case, they would have lost faith. Because nowadays people do that. They belong to one church and they made so many promises of health and wealth and everything else. And this thing's not happening one year, two years, if they stay that long. And they move on to another church where another minister is promising big and better things. They move on. And although they some be, belong to a particular local church or a particular church body, although some believe, uh, belong to such, they still move, go from place to place consulting with all sorts of other prophets and preachers and pastors who, who promise them big and better things. I mean, what is going on? Where do you get this kind of faith from? That's not Christianity. That's just foolishness. A Christianity that does not distinguish between you and the people of the world. Your desires are exactly the same as that of the people of the world. Only this time you think you have a better leverage on it because, you know, now you have the name of Christ to call and, you know, Christ has said anything you ask for in his name, he will give to you. So you think you have that added advantage over the, over the heaven. And so you're demanding the same things, you're desiring the same things, you love the same things, but you just think that you can use the name of Jesus to, get, to, 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 to an advantage in pursuing your selfish your own selfish aims that is not christianity when the apostle said when the apostle said uh, see if um when the apostle said well put on the full armor of god so that you can stand against the devil's schemes what are the schemes of the devil? That's what I want to look at today. What are the schemes of the devil? And like I said before, what this means, when it said we do not war against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in heavenly realms, Satan, I said, Satan has got in place a very sophisticated system by which he rules the world. He's the god of this world. You can't deny him that. Is the prince of this world, Jesus called him. You can't deny him that. Because when mankind, when humankind decided to uh, trade their birthright as given by God, which was dominion over the earth and everything else in existence that God had created on the earth, and were supposed to enjoy all of, you know, all of God's, the handiwork of God and, you know, enjoy it and bring glory to God, we decided to trade that for Satan's lies we Started, you know, Satan said, you can be like God. And we thought, okay, that sounds good. We can actually be like God. We can be gods ourselves instead of being subject to this almighty God. So wh why not? When we traded our birthright, Satan was banished into the world so that all of us could cohabit in the sinfulness in which we opted for. 
<laughs> and so he's here disturbing people. He's here doing that, tormenting the peoples of the world, which is what he was thrown here to do. Because the way God saw it was, okay, you all seem to love one another. You'd rather obey Satan than obey me. In which case, good luck to you all. So he put us all together. So Satan was thrown down here. And do you know why he's the prince of this world? Why is the God of this age? Because he's stronger than you and I. Oh, yes. He's stronger. And he has, he's very intelligent. He's very intelligent. Don't forget, the, the, Satan was an archangel of God. He was maybe even the, the, the chief of all the angels, of all the archangels. He was very powerful. And still, he's got, God did not strip him of his power. He didn't have to. Because his power is nothing compared to the power of the Almighty God. Do not forget that God created him. God gave him the power. So he doesn't have the power over God. He doesn't have the supremacy. But you know what? He hates God with intense passion. And so he has contended for sovereignty. He has wanted to be in God's place. That's why he got thrown out of heaven. And it's thrown down here amongst those people of the world who choose to love him. Which was all of us at one stage until the coming of our Lord. We thank God for the coming of our Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Because now we know who the true God is. Now we know who the sovereign God is. Now we know exactly what we are supposed to be living for. How we are supposed to live. Who we are. We are now reconciled back to God. And now we know that we will no longer face judgment. At the end of all things. Now we know that again. Once again we have been blessed with eternal life. We will not die. So you see. Those of us who are in Christ. Have come back to the initial state of things. That God established in the first place. Of course there are certain things that we have lost. As a consequence of our sinful nature. And though we have been delivered from that sinful nature now. Through our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we have the promise of eternal life. And now we have been renewed and rebirthed by the Holy Spirit. God the Spirit. Now we have the fullness of God in us. Because the Holy Spirit of God inhabits us. Because our Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, God the Father have made their home in us. And with us. But there are certain things we still don't have. Like, you know, the initial dominion we had over the world. Satan still has that. That's why I cannot just walk around now and you know in in the wilderness amongst lions and expect to just walk away. No, it's not going to happen that way. That doesn't happen. We lost certain things. It will all be restored. If you read Isaiah 65, God tells us that it's going to be eventually when he creates when he recreates the earth, when he creates the new heavens and the new earth, it'll be the home of righteousness. Again, he said the lion and the lamb will feed together. Yes, there'll be no more killings and deaths on God's holy mountain. That time will come. But for now, now we now all we are we, what we are called to do now, once we are now Christians, which is followers of Christ, obedient to Christ, not the Christian by religion. No, but once you are now a believer, which means you have believed the word, that you were a sinner, you were destined for judgment and death, destruction in hell, eternal punishment in hell. Once you were like that, and now you're no longer like that, and now you've been ransomed, now you've been redeemed, now you live for God. That is how you live, for God. And when you're able to live for God, that is when you're taking your stand against the devil and his schemes. Look, in Revelation 12, in Revelation 12 from verse um, 7, he says, uh, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. 
the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hauled to the earth and his angels with him. So you see, that's on verse 7 to 9. Satan was hauled to the earth and his angels with him. And you know what? You, you do find the book of Revelation tells you, earlier in that chapter actually, it says in verse 4, He still swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. Those are the angels that Satan brought, were thrown with Satan into the world, a third of the angels in heaven. So whatever the case may be, God's army is still double the strength of Satan's. He got a third, God's got two thirds. However, he was thrown here. And it says, that is the devil who, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. The entire world has gone astray. That is the systems he has put in place. That is the devil's schemes. The wiles of the devil, the Bible says it is. That's what it is. He's got all his demons, demonic spirits here, inciting people to do things. They lead the people in government. That's why the governments of the world are nothing but oppressive. That's why governments of the world go and war against nation, against nation, fighting each other. Why? All because of greed, all because of power hunger, all because of authority they want, covetousness. Nations fight against each other. A people's rise against each other. Every leader wants to lead the world. They're not content to lead their, their own country and oppress their own people. No, they want to have more. They want to be known in international circles. They want to have authority over every other place. They want. That's what it is. It starts from there. Satan has a hierarchy in place. The levels of his scheming varies. But it, it, it covers all areas of life and all aspects of life. He's the same one. Who has got all these people who who are there to manipulate you with all sorts of lies and deception as to what you ought to look like, what you have to have, what you are, what you where you're supposed to be, and all the selfish ambitions that that is that people are incited to 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 live by, all sorts of ideas. We have those who who, who had delved into alcoholism and all sorts of overindulgence. Because of the because of the wealth they have and the power, it's just all mad. The entire world is mad. The entire world is in the hands of Satan, lying fully in the embrace of Satan. And so it is very pathetic when we find Christians who claim to be Christians who are still living exactly in the same way. And so Paul says, "Look." You must be strong. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then it tells us what the armor of God is. Now I'm going to break down this issue, this armor of God, perhaps in my next teaching. But today we're going to concentrate on exactly what the schemes of the devil are. Now I said it before and um, that this Satan's channels of temptation... And this is the means by which he brings down anybody and everybody he has brought down and is bringing down. The channels of temptation, they have not changed. They are timeless. They're the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. That's what he used against Adam and Eve. And I said, we read through that in, in Genesis. That's what he used. Eve saw that the fruit of the tree that God had told them not to touch was good. She saw that it was good. It was beauty to behold. She liked the look of it. That's the lust of the eyes. And she thought it was good for food. That's the lust of the flesh. What I want for me. What is good for me. And then 
because Satan said, you will be like God if you eat of it. She went ahead and did it. The pride of life, I will be like God. I will be a God myself. Now, those channels have not changed at all because you know what? Satan used exactly the same thing in, in, in his temptation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if knowing full well who Jesus was, he, wasn't, he was not unaware of who Jesus was, but he must have thought, smart as Satan is, he um, wasn't too smart there, but then it had to happen like that so that you and I can understand that temptation can be reason above. We will always be tempted, but we need to be able to rise above temptation. That's why it was necessary, necessary for that to happen. And so when, when Satan, in Matthew chapter 4, when Satan went to tempt our Lord, I'll take it from verse 1 to 11 very quickly. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell the stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, there Satan tried to tempt him. Satan tried to tempt Jesus there with the lust of the flesh. He knew he was starving hungry. Forty days and forty nights, the Lord hadn't eat, eaten anything. If you are the son of God, even in that you can detect an element of the pride of life. If you are the son of God, you want to take pride in your position as son of God, go and then tell the stones to turn to bread. Satisfy your hunger. You're hungry. You need it. Your body needs it. So there, Jesus overcame that lust of the flesh by saying, it is written. He overcame him by the word of his testimony of the, to the word of God. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hearts so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. See? Again, the pride of life. The temptation of the pride of life. If you are the son of God, God has said he's put his angels in charge of you. So you go ahead. Just do that. Take God up on his word. See if God will deliver. You jump down if you are. Now he knew, Satan knew Jesus was the son of God. But then he's appealing. He's trying to arouse that sense of pride of life in, 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 the, in our Lord. If you know you are the son of God. He has said he's given his angels charge of you. See if he will keep his word. Go on, test God. He said it. Take God up on his offer. Take him up on his word. Do it. Challenge him. Jump down. Jesus saw right through him. He said, it is also written, do not put the Lord you got to the test. See, one area where people fail all the time, another area rather, where people fail all the time, by challenging God, if you do this for me, then I'll do that for you. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. I told, I said in my last teaching, it is such a futile thing to do, it is childish, and it is a stupid thing to do. To try and tempt God with something. Yeah, if you do, if you can do this for me, then I'll do that for you. Who are you? What have you got to offer? Who am I? What have I got to give to God that I can tempt him with? Okay, so we move on. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. 
So there you go. Satan now tried to appeal to the lust of the eyes, showed our Lord Jesus Christ the fullness of the splendor of this world. Look at all these beautiful kingdoms. Everything will be subject to you. If you bow down and worship me, I'll give it all to you. It's been given to me. I told you, he's the prince of this world. God gave him that dominion. There's nothing he can do about it because that's just the way it is. You know, we can't deny him that. At least that's all he's got until his end comes because there's no redemption for Satan. God's not going to change his mind. His condemnation has long been awaiting him. So that is that. So while he's here, he's having a fantastic time. A fantastic time tripping up people who are supposed to belong to Christ. And if you really belong to Christ, you have no business falling in the hands of Satan. No, you have no business falling in the hands of Satan. Because if you truly belong to Christ, you are a temple in whom God lives in the power of his Holy Spirit. God the Spirit lives in you. He does not fall into temptation. He rises above temptation. Because Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. As an incarnate man, he was full of the Holy Spirit. And that's why he was able to stand against the devil's schemes. Jesus overcame the devil's schemes. He did not, he was not taken or overtaken and overwhelmed by what Satan showed him, the fullness of the splendor of this world, as to bow to Satan. Today, people who claim they are Christians are offering, they are actually offering themselves on Satan's altar. They are offering their souls to Satan for rewards here and now. Satan went out of his way to tempt Eve. He went out of the way to tempt our Lord. He's supposed to go out of his way to tempt you as a Christian. But no, people are seeking him out. They're seeking him out. When you go and flock in a place where you have preachers who are preaching righteousness and telling you to turn your life around, telling you to repent of your sins, telling you to live your life for Christ, you don't like that. But you go and search out for yourself preachers who will tell you about financial prosperity, who will tell you how, that, that you are a God yourself and you got the power of creativity to just speak life into this. And you can, oh yeah, since when did you have creative power? You don't have it any more than they have it. And you cannot create a thing any more than you could create yourself. But you like such teachings because they're nice. They gratify your evil desires and your sense of lust and greed. So you are not wearing the full armor of God. In fact, you are naked. You are naked and vulnerable. And unless you bring yourself back and pull yourself and think about it and desire to honor God with your life, you will end up in hell. Because this sort of teachings, teachings that elevate you above God, teachings that lay all the emphasis on you, 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 what you ought to have, what you ought to want, what you must need, what you need, what you require, in life, what you can attain, what you can achieve, where you can be. All they are doing is encouraging you. All they are doing is arousing that sense of lust in you. A lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. You look at those things, you must have it, you must own it. Somebody has that, why don't I have it? You covet all that your eyes behold. That is the lust of the eyes. Every beautiful thing you see, you must have. The world tells you what it is, what a beautiful person ought to look like, and you go and do that. You are into all the old talks of plastic surgery to improve on what, on God's creation of you. You want to change this? You want to change your hair? I don't even know. I must be one of the very few African women left who has still got their own head of, of hair. You know, our own hair. Everybody wears some wig or the other, or, so, or some artificial extension or the other. Because now the world has dictated that's what you ought to look like. So people are no longer content with what God has said. 
I'm probably one of the few who still have my own nails and my own eyelashes. Because natural artificial ones see eyelashes as long as fingers and people, they all look plastic. And that's the dictator of the world. That's what makes beautiful. No, it doesn't. Matter of fact, I look at people who are artificial from head to toe. They look so physically ugly. You want to improve on God's work. So you live for these things. And all the money you could put to sensible use. As a Christian, all the money you should be putting to the use of, to, to, to the purposes of, of satisfying or, or comforting other people who are needy around you. You spend on all your makeup and all your artificial gear. And same thing with the men. Don't think you're exempt, you're not. There's so many vain men out there as well. And in fact, your investment is probably even worse than the women's. Because, you know, the men, you know, they, 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 they have to have the latest cars, you know, the latest designer wristwatch and latest designer shoes and all that. Women do that too. But just look at what I'm saying. Have you seen what I'm saying? All the foolish and empty values that the world has placed at your foot and told you that is where you ought to be. That is what you, be, you should be wearing. This is what you ought to look like. That is what you ought to own. So you are not wearing the full armor of God. You are defenseless. Because if there's one thing all of God's servants in scripture had in common, it is the fact that as soon as they were called into God's service, that is as soon as they were redeemed, they lost their affection for the world. They lost their affection for the world. Do you know, Jeremiah was not even allowed to marry. Oh yes. I'm sure he must have been betrothed to someone before or something or you know, had someone in mind to marry, which was customary among Jewish men. When he always got called into God's service, God said, you are not to marry among these people. Don't even go to their feasts. Don't go to any celebrations with them. They've got nothing to celebrate. The thing they do, I don't want you mixing with them. And Jeremiah obeyed, lived his life for God. Ezekiel was married. God said, you know what? In order to prove a point to this foolish Israelites, I'm going to take your wife from you. She's going to die. I don't allow you to mourn her death because I shan't be mourning the death of Israel. What did Ezekiel do? How can you do that to me, God? No, he didn't. He let God's will be done. Hosea, the prophet. God instructed him to marry a prostitute. As an illustration again to adulterous Israel. And God said, she's not going to turn from adulterous ways, but you know what? You must carry on loving her because that's our relationship with Israel. I'm making you an example to them. So, of course, he did not have any peace of mind in his marriage. It wasn't the nicest marriage going on. But he had no choice. He let the will of God be done. So, and not, not, not to talk about the New Testament disciples. The rich among them gave up all their wealth. They gave it all, brought it all together, so that the poor ones among the, the poor amongst them could be comforted and satisfied. The Bible says in the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 2, I think it is, of the Acts, that there were no needy amongst them because all the believers came together and put all the resources together and shared among themselves as they ought to. What do we call Christianity in in this age? A collection of people who who come together, the rich are rich and the poor are poor, and the rich, they get all the important positions in, in, in the church. And they get all the special anointings from the thieving prastos special mentions special seats and that's supposed to be a gathering of believers I don't think so and so we're warned against this thing be able to stand against the devil's schemes people do not even know what the devil's schemes are and I told you the devil's schemes are all around you 
Every system in the world opposes the word of God. Did you know that? Everything in place opposes the word of God. The systems are there to oppress believers. We are being oppressed now. We are now being told we have to be politically correct. A time will come. Well, well, I mean, it's happening in some places. But I can see it happening here in in the United Kingdom very soon. Where we'll be banned from saying Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. It's happening already in some places. What we'll be told, we can no longer say things like homosexuality is a sin. Oh yes, they're stifling us as much as they can. But some of us, we refuse to be stifled. Even though we're thrown in prison, even though we're beaten to death, we will still continue to maintain that Jesus is Lord, homosexuality is a sin, sexual immorality is a sin. We're going to carry on about all those things. We're going to uphold the standards of God. We're going to uphold the word of God. On whose side of the camp are you? Because you keep falling, you are still living exactly as the heaven do. But no, you, like I said, you think that you've got the name of Jesus Christ as, uh, as an added advantage in your pursuit of lustful gain. That is not Christianity. That is not saving faith. And you'll do well to repent. You need to repent. You need to tear yourself away from this world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Every apostle warned against it. They all did because they all knew they had been able to stand against the devil's schemes. They recognized the devil's schemes because of they were empowered by the Holy Spirit too. Now you also will be empowered by the Holy Spirit too. But only if your desire for God is sincere and true. Because unless you seek God with your whole heart, you will not know a thing. You will never meet the true God. You will never get to know him. Unless you pick up your Bible and read it with a view to knowing what God's will for your life is because you desire to honor God with your life and to live for God, you'll never understand what you read. And that's why you have all the deceivers who will tell you what the Bible is not saying, though they're quoting it. Satan quoted scripture to our Lord during his temptation. He quoted scripture. So glad a person has the ability to quote scripture does not make them automatically a servant of God. You need to get off your you know the, the your lazy chair and study scripture yourself with a view to determining what god wants you to know so that you can live for god not just listen and be given the odd phrase here and there that talks about blessing without telling you what god said before and after it or what conditions are attached to the blessings all of god's blessings are conditional yes they're conditional on your obedience and my obedience and the blessings do not necessarily say we're going to be filthy rich and millionaires and we'll be in perfect health. No, doesn't say so. We're going to continue this uh, this issue of the channels of temptation uh, next time I'm on. Until then, may the Lord continue to may the Lord guard your hearts. May He cause you to seek Him, that you may know Him, and know what true saving faith is, that you may be delivered from the sinfulness of this world. Amen. <music>